Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. My guest is Steve Phillips. He is a New York Times bestselling author, columnist, and leading national political thought leader. And that's why he's on the show. He is the author of the New York Times and Washington Post bestselling, Brown is the New White, How the Demographics Revolution Has Created a New American Majority. He is on the show to discuss his new book, How We Win the Civil War. How We Win the Civil War. Does that sound timely? I think so. The book is available for purchase in stores right now and online. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations Masterclass, the one and only Steve Phillips. How you doing, Steve? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be here. Cool. Where are you based at, Steve? It's San Francisco, California. Okay, you're a West Coast guy. When I when you when you hear West Coast, you hear, you know, liberalism, you know, they they very uh want to want to protect the earth, you know, the electric car came out of there, you know, they you know, uh 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 right of the woman woman has have the right, you know, abortions and all these things are, are favorably received in that part of the country. I'm in the South. I'm born and raised in Houston, Texas. I now live in Georgia. I just want to give you that perspective because you're living in that environment. I'm living in this environment. So I'm really being inundated by two different messages. So I think that's really going to help our conversation because I want to talk to you because in your book, I feel that uh, it's necessary. The message you're trying to say is that there's a denial being happened out there. That's happening out there because there is a... Um, uh, white majority out there that really wants to keep status quo, no matter what, and they may and they showed it January six that violence is an option and they will use it. When you wrote this book, what is your perspective? Yeah, very much so, and and just to, to so I don't 
uh, fully distorted in terms of my, I live in San Francisco now. I've been out here since I went to college. I didn't fully realize reading the Stanford shirt, but I'm, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio originally. My grandfather was a minister at Glenville Church of God there. I, my nephew and his family live in Houston. And one of the states that we feature is uh, Georgia in the book. Yes, you do. Yes. And so uh, fundamentally, I wrote the book for two reasons. One is I wanted to try to explain what is going on in U.S. politics at this point in time in this country and to have people understand the intensity and the ferocity of the, the opposition uh, and that there really are people. And, and the title, How We Win the Civil War, is I show, try to show that the Confederates have never stopped fighting the actual civil war and have not stopped the efforts to try to make this fundamentally a white country. And that that battle about whether we're going to be a white country or a multiracial democracy continues to rage. It continues to rage most intensely in the South because that is where uh, people, that is where slavery took place. That's where the majority of people of color, both African-Americans and uh, uh, Latinos and large numbers of Asians are. But it's also because of that, those are the areas that also offer the most promise in terms of really being able to change this country and being able to make the kind of uh, a society that we say that we want to have. And it is places exactly like Harris County, it's places like Georgia, as well as Arizona and Virginia that are on the cutting edge of this fight to make the country finally the multiracial democracy that uh, it professes to be. Well, Steve, I didn't want to like say that 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 was your you were born and raised in California. I apologize if that was no, no, I no worries. I just trying to set this conversation tone for right now, present, because it allows us to have a perspective of what's going on, right. you know, in California and what's going on in Georgia, which is featured exactly. in the book. And I happen to be front and center, you know, at at, at the time this uh, this interview is happening, you know, early election is starting. For the mm-hmm. Brian Kemp and the uh, which is Stacey Abrams and then the Herschel Walker and their, uh, uh, Raphael Warnock for the Senate seat, two highly contested things that are going on that really can change the face of politics in this country. On this state, is also how it may happen in other states. Philadelphia is one of them, and the other states out there as well. Texas is a central; it's a totally different animal. And I, I lived there. My daughter went to school there. I graduated from there. That's a whole different conversation. Now, when you talk about your perspective, what's going on in California when you when you sit down and you see politics as they're being played out in California? Well, it's interesting because it's on, on both on, on levels. And so on one level, California has been a breakthrough. And in my yes, previous sir. book, Brown is the New White, I talk about how California is an example of what is possible going from a state that was a formerly uh, very conservative, the, the political birthplace of Ronald Reagan and Richard Nixon, and had been the one of the bastions of um, you know, frankly, pro-white politics within this country. Reagan got elected in the governor in 1966 by running on a platform of law and order in response to the urban rebellions in places like Watts. And so that, but California has now gone through its own demographic revolution. There was, there's actually a book uh, by the author Jewel Taylor Gibbs called Preserving Privilege, where she talks about the early 90s in California when there was anti-bilingual education, anti-immigration, and anti-three um, uh, strikes, this uh, legislation that all passed, which were all reactions to the changing diversity within uh, the state. But we're th- we've gone through that now, and California has a overall very progressive 
majority able to, you know, I think Biden won by like 30 points here in California. Mm-hmm. Republican hasn't won statewide in 20 years. And so on the one hand, we are through that initial fight to say that, yes, this should be a multiracial democracy, but then we're facing the next level of challenges now. And so we were like, we still, even under election Biden, when we did not pass a ballot measure around um, in, institutionalizing affirmative action in California. And then now there's a lot of controversy in Los Angeles where there's tensions between Latinos and African-Americans about who's going to have, which group is going to have more power. So the challenges of building multiracial unity are some of the things that we're confronting in California. But I do highlight the San Diego experience, I think, as a real model and example, people from African-Americans and Latinos doing civic engagement work to change the composition of that uh, electorate electing many more progressive people, passing progressive policies, moving more money um, to uh, uh, social services and more socially progressive endeavors is an example of what we should be doing. But I think what California reflects is kind of this next level of challenge once you make some of these original breakthroughs. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Thank you for responding like that. Sometimes, I, you know, I, I, was, I was born in an inner city, you know, six sisters, two brothers. Uh, father was a truck driver, third grade education. So uh, shotgun house, one two-bedroom shotgun house. So that's where I was born. And so it's a lot of people perceive people where I was born like them, not us. And so that, to me, is always champions the... The, the, the inability to unite in communication. First of all, you know, you, you know, you section off who you don't want to be associated with and they look just like you. And then you worry about your crab in the barrel moment. I'm just trying to hold on to me. And so you start sectioning with a group of people who really don't care about you, but need your participation so they can have power. And so that was a signal that I, I read from your book in the sense of I live in the state of Georgia, which flipped. And now it's trying to flip back. And I tell you right now, Steve, watching television is horrible. Mm-hmm. It is the, the the you know, Herschel Walker, his wife talking about, you know, putting a gun to his head. He's a liar. You know, you, you think back to Donald Trump. He was talking about grabbing women's private areas. Somehow it's like, oh, that's what he did in the past. That's not him today. What <laughs> shifted that? When, when, when moral content, conduct didn't matter anymore in politics. Well, this is the point that I, I was, you know, trying to make around. They're not playing by the same set of rules. And so if we were all in the same society and the same social contract and the same constitution, there would be some level of morality and shame and, 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 and consequence. But that's not what we're doing. And that's one of the most dangerous things of what Trump discovered is that he could get away with anything so long as he was seen as the champion of white people. And that I recently wrote a, a column about this in terms, and for The Guardian in terms of uh, Trump was polling at 4% in the polls before he got into the presidential race back in May of 2015. When he started attacking Mexicans and starting sending the signal that he was going to be the champion and the defender of white people, he zoomed up in the polls. Right. And he became the uh, front runner within a, a month and obviously never looked back. And so what and then so he consistently found that the rules did not apply. 
in as long as the only rule was he continued championing whiteness, including in national election, where all 50 governors say you lost, you don't have to listen to that either. And so Herschel Walker is then his recruit in finding, again, somebody who has absolutely zero qualifications to be in any kind of elected office, let alone the United States Senate, but because he's the champion of the Trump wing of the country, they overlook everything. Right. And that's one of the fundamental messages. I think that be, that is a reflection of the fact that we are, in fact, in a civil war. They're engaged in a civil war where there are no rules of matter except can they actually get power and advance their objectives. Wow. I'm speaking to Steve Phillips, New York Times bestselling author of Brown is the New White. We're on the show today talking about how we can win the civil war, securing a multiracial democracy and ending white supremacy for good. Um, I, I wish we could do that. I think that ending white supremacy is so good because we don't, back in the day, they wore hoods back in the day and they still do it. But, they, but there's another group of white supremacists who um, control social media, who control banks, who, who've always done it, but blatantly doing it. And and with social media, kind of like flaunting it. We all know that through social media, one can say that that's how Donald Trump won his electorate. And I think that when you talk about the moment of Donald Trump and the and the whole Mexican migration to the Texas, it was when he flew down in a helicopter, landed and pointed, this is where I'm going to build the wall. When he right. said that moment, that was one of the great moments of, of, of marketing. And that's when you know, which you cannot take away from Donald Trump. He's a marketing genius. And he went to marketing instead of running. He said, I'm going to play on those different people. Now I'm going to switch to another more recent person who made a statement. And I had a major debate with a friend of mine, Stephen A. Smith. And he said that this moment that you talk about, President Biden says that we're in a battle for the soul of the nation, Biden specifically named and called out Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans as the ones attacking our democracy. This was an important step in the right direction. I agree. I was excited that uh, President Biden did that. He totally, being Stephen A. Smith, totally disagreed. I felt it was time for the, the Democratic Party to acknowledge there's a problem, racism exists. I feel they've always sat on the sat on the sideline going, oh, well, it's me. It's all good. We can all get along. What are your thoughts? AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. 
If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Well, I think think what Biden did was absolutely uh, correct and necessary and also not even going far enough. Right. So the introduction to the uh, title of my book is titled A Choice Between Democracy and Whiteness. Yes. And that that is drawn from a phrase that Taylor uh, Taylor Branch, the author of the Parting uh, Parting the Waters series, said in reflection about the rise of white domestic terrorism during the Trump administration. He says the people would not stand for becoming a minority in their own country. The real question is offered a choice between democracy and whiteness. How many would choose whiteness? And so it's very clear that Donald Trump and uh, Tony C. Coates has written eloquently about this in the, in the Atlantic is that the essence of Trump's power is whiteness. And this is and he continually displayed it throughout his administration, defending the Confederates, talking about, uh, you know, people of co- Congress with women of color go back where they came from, et cetera. And so the, the country had a choice on January 6th between democracy and whiteness, and and many people stormed the Capitol to stop democracy. And they stormed the Capitol to put in place this champion of white people. And that the majority of Republicans in in the Congress actually supported that. And the vast majority of Republicans in the country support that. That's, so that's what uh, uh, President Biden was talking about, was this grouping of people who did not subscribe to the Constitution. And, we ha- and that is the battle for the soul of the nation. Are we going to be a white country? Are we going to be a multiracial nation? And it needs to be both called out and engaged. And the irony is that the way to maximize white support in this battle to make America a multiracial country is to challenge and summon them to stand on the side of multiracial democracy. And there have always been progressive whites who have been there throughout the years. Right. Um, but they've been a minority, I call it a meaningful minority. But that's what Obama did. When Obama gave his race speech in April, in April 2008, where he said that racism is a real thing and it's an ongoing present piece, but then he challenged and inspired people to step up and to try to overcome it. And I feel like that's what President Biden was trying to do. And he's, I think, positioned to do it as a white person. But I definitely think that that is uh, where we are at in this country. Well, you know, interesting, you, um, in your book, you said the Civil War never ended. And I agree with that because I'm not comfortable with being black in this country. I'm not comfortable being a person of color in this country. I'm not comfortable with a police person stopping me in this country. I'm not comfortable um, just just mingling with white people or walking with a white woman and somebody thinking we're dating in this country. Uh, so how do you, so, you know, I, we like to see, you know, white supremacy in, but when can one start getting comfortable? I would ask you the question, Steve. You know, when do you want to transition to the fact that they are not being judged by the color of their skin? Because we do every day, as you know yourself, you're judged by the color of your skin. How do we get past that as a race? Well, that there's levels to it. And, and, and Dr. King used to talk about that. Yes, you sir. can't legislate 
um, attitudes, but you can legislate behavior. And so I think that's the initial standpoint. So is really being able to build a multiracial majority that can take governing power and can create institutions which govern in the interest of the actual multiracial majority that we have police forces that are about public safety for people of all races and not about confining and attacking black people that have schools that are about educating all children of all races about the realities of this country and not whitewashing history. So when we get the positions of power through this multiracial majority, then governing in the interest of the society. It's partly what, so Obama won. Obama had very little support from uh, Republicans and the minority support from whites, but he passed a health care bill which benefited everybody. Yes. And so that, I feel, is a lot of what the, the way forward is. And then if we do, in fact, um, also lean into the education uh, uh, system and the edu- content of the education that people understand the true nature of the history and the challenges we face in this country, all polls so that younger people are, in fact, more progressive by and large around these types of issues, and that they're more diverse. The majority of people under 18 are people of color. And so that bodes well, but in the in this particular moment, we have to really engage to orient our society towards that population, which is a big part of why I was glad they did the debt relief piece for the student uh, student loan part. Because that's a key population within this country that has, offers great hope for the future. Well, you know, the thing about it is that when you talk about white white supremacy, which they control the media, when the, uh, you know, the Obama passed the, you know, the medical relief program, it became the Obama health care program, which means that the white supremacists made it a racial issue. They made right. it seem like it was a black people were the only people benefiting from this. When the welfare program has always been seen as a program that only benefit minority or black people, as white supremacy working the working the working the, the behind the scenes on that, not not acknowledging that it benefits the entire country. It seems that whenever there are programs that benefit all, the white percent white supremacy says organizations are working in the background to say, yeah, but we won't tell everybody that. Just make it just pro black. Just make right. the let's make the Obamacare. Just pro-black. In fact, we're going to put Obamacare, we're going to put the name Obama attached to it to make it really sound black. And then welfare system, let's make it black. So all these programs that get out there, you know, they, they have a good way. I'm talking about the white supremacists that we're trying to end, have a good way of flipping the script and making it black. That is a hard problem to overcome when they have that much power. Well, that's the battle that we're in. That we're, the, we're in this moment, we're in an existential fight over, is this going to be a white country or a multiracial country? Right. Are we going to, which direction are we going to go? We had the first black president. Yes, sir. That was then followed by one of the most pro-white uh, nationalist presidents that we've had in, in, in a long time. He was fortunately ousted. So what direction are we going to go in? And that's the battle of this moment. That's really going to be the battle of the 2020s, is that can we, in fact, enshrine this multiracial majority that exists in the country, but doesn't yet necessarily have governing and political power. And that's why I wrote this book, to try to send this message that we have that we are in this fight, but we also have ways to win, that we are in fact the majority, and we are winning in places like Harris County, like Georgia, like Arizona. And if we look to those lessons and those leaders, people like Stacey Abrams, then we'll be able to make the type of progress we need to be able to win this fight. 
We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. Let me have, I'm going to hold that state to every thought. I'm talking to Steve Phillips, How We Win the Civil War. His book is incredible. I'm reading them, interviewing them on the show about this book. Stacey Abrams, if Stacey Abrams, because this interview will air prior to the uh, midterm elections. If Stacey Abrams loses, are we, have we lost in your mission to end the Civil War or to end or win the Civil War or to end white supremacy if she loses? No, because this is a long-term struggle. And so that uh, we've been engaged, it's taken all of these different levels and that we didn't have the right to vote. We didn't have the right to walk the streets free. And so Stacey's is the latest battle in this really 400-year struggle for us to have uh, democracy and freedom within this country. And she is all in many ways, Stacey has already won through the work that she did to transform the electorate that won the state for Biden and that elected Warnock and Ossoff and transformed the composition of the entire United States Senate and the United States Congress. That's Stacey's work. Yes. And so that work goes on regardless of what the specific results are um, in this coming November, and that she is clearly one of the brightest, most courageous leaders that exist within the country. And she will continue to lead and continue to help us make progress, whatever happens in November. There's been said, uh, Steve, that we are a two-party country, Republican and Democrat. You know, you got the independents out there and the libertarians, but they don't really have power. All they do is kind of like come in and make noise. They said that because we have a two-party country, we are a two-party country, Republican, that's the problem. That's the problem. You know, we make promises they don't commit, especially the Democrats. They have made promises after promises to black people, and then they kind of like rescind those so they can hold on to the white vote. Is a two-party system a major default in what you're trying to achieve and winning the Civil War? I don't think it's the party issue in that I mean, my political baptism was in the Rainbow Coalition days of Jesse Jackson's campaign. Yes, sir where he was working in the context of the Democratic Party. But I think that's a greater reflection of what the coalition should be, this rainbow coalition idea about people of color and progressive whites. When the old minorities come together, they comprise a new majority and can manifest that through whatever or whichever political party uh, uh, exists. So it's not fundamentally party as much as vision of, of what the country is. There is a party which thinks this is primarily a white country. And there's a party that thinks this is primarily a multiracial country, but I would argue they don't lean enough into that, which Mm -hmm. is what what my work Mm -hmm. has been. But I think that there is the greatest potential there and the current structure and it allows us the the possibility to transform this country. And I don't think that's the party structure that's holding us back. It's participating in the electoral process where we still have millions of people of color who are not voting. And in fact, if, if and when we do, that's when we can have the greatest changes. Absolutely. That's what got <laughs> President Obama in office was when we all stepped to the plate. And also President Biden got in the office, yeah. especially when he named uh, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris as his running mate. And so so those moments of, you know, like I said, you know, we see um, the way they 
they alter voting laws, how they alter um, voting uh, redistricting. All these things are done when you have power. When we talk about ending the Civil War, I talk about my color. I talk about my child's color as she lives this life beyond there. If you had to say a couple of things, and you say this in your book, and my goal when I do influential authors like that is not to give away your book. I want them to buy your book. So I would like for the author to put in the words that would allow people to understand what you're trying to say. Are we talking about 100 years from now? Are we talking about 200 years from now? That we have to live in this horrible life of uncertainty where your color does matter, especially in racial situations? How does one win the Civil War? Is it certain pockets like in San Diego, other other identifiable cities that are understanding the value of racial harmony wins for everybody? How? What is that timeline, sir? I really believe that the 2020s are, in fact, the key area in terms of what we're actually facing and that this next four to five years are going to be critical. And in that, in, in can we continue the progress in places like Texas, Georgia, Arizona? Can we continue to flip places like Florida, North Carolina, which are, in fact, possible? And if we do that, then we will, in fact, be able to be far along on the road towards winning the Civil War. Well, at one point, uh, this country was 90% white. Now I think that number is down to 60%. So Correct. that only encourages white supremacists to say we have to save ourselves. We have to protect our rights. We have to carry our guns. We have to throw, uh, they say, not only fear mongers, but white mongers. They're holding on to their place in line. And so as that number keeps shrinking, I honestly believe, this is my thoughts, is that if something negative were to happen from a standpoint legally for Trump, he would only add more fuel to the fire. I really believe that he could lead this country down a path of violence. Am I overreacting to that, Steve? Or you said, Rashawn, I hold my breath because you may be right. No, well, we already had, they already happened. That they they stormed the United States Capitol, attacked uh, law enforcement officers, um, multiple people died. And so, and then Trump was, you know, quite pleased with all of that. So there's absolutely that potential exists. But again, if we participate, if we run, uh, if we vote, if we win, if we get control of our societal institutions, then we can enforce the laws, we can enforce equality in ways that will uh, move us forward. Well, you know, it's always like when you read a great book, Steve, uh, How We Win the Civil War, Securing a Multiracial Democracy and Ending White Supremacy for Good. That means I got to go get the other book. Brown is the New White, another one of your bestsellers. I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. Let me tell you this, Steve. I do these interviews all the time. It feels like I've only been talking to you for five minutes. We're at 26 minutes and counting. And this is not only your book is a brilliant read, but the, the information that we are talking about is so riveting that it, the, the time just flies. And I hope that we are able to create change with books like this. And I do believe what you're saying. And this, the time is now for us to start changing. The time is now for us to be honest. And it only happens when authors like you, writers like you, write honest books. Thank you for writing this book. And thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation Masterclass. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. I appreciate you. If you want to hear or see any of my interviews, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.